0: It's time for Soundings 22, which is short for Soundings 2022. I'm Al Stoller. With me here in the studio is Dr. Jeff Kane. Jeff, thanks for coming in
1: tonight. My pleasure, Alan. Good to be here.
0: Jeff, Americans have the highest priced health care in the world. May I conclude that Americans are the healthiest people in the world?
1: (laughs) I wish you could. Uh, Actually, um, if you want to talk about that, uh, I have good news for you and bad news and worse news. Hit me with the good news first. First, good news is uh, compared to other industrialized countries, we enjoy a higher survival after age 75. Uh, We have higher rates of cancer screening and survival, better control of blood pressure and cholesterol levels, and lower stroke mortality. Those are all great things. But, uh, in other important areas america's health comes up pretty short uh, and there's famous f- figures on that, like our our infant mortality rate is thirty sixth best in the world uh since uh, uh adolescents and young 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 adults die at higher rates from traffic accidents and homicide than their counterparts in other countries um, and since the 1990s they've had the highest rate of pregnancy and are more likely to acquire sexually transmitted infections. The U.S. has the second highest prevalence of HIV infection among uh, peer countries. And from this is very troubling, from 1999 to 2018, our obesity rate increased from 32 to 42 percent. And the morbid obesity rate, which is life-threatening morbid obesity, that's really fat. Uh, uh that has doubled so uh and then so that's the bad news. and the worst news is that even uh Americans in what we call privileged groups who receive apparently sufficient care uh who are white and well to do and so on uh they're not any better off. In fact, they're in worse shape than their peers in other countries. Uh, even though our uh healthcare system uh is arguably one of the better ones in the world and that's the puzzling part here and that's what I'd like to address tonight why is it that uh with with all our money and our healthcare and our advanced technology uh even uh, well to do people have a uh n- not only a, a poor health record than um, their counterparts in other industrialized countries, but they're not even as healthy on the average as recent migrants into the United States. I
0: I presume migrants catch up once they uh, have lived here a while.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but yeah, I'm sure that happens. So that's the question. Uh, Why, uh, With all we spend, why is our health so poor?
0: Let me... Take a guess because this is one of my pet peeves. I enjoy reading labels on food and seeing what percentage of what is in them. And something I noticed is that I shop in places that have a lot of organic food and wholesome, at least wholesomely labeled things. I noticed that there are sodas that really, carbonated drinks, that really look wholesome. And they have pictures of people doing outdoor stuff on them and you really want to give these carbonated drinks to your kids. And you look at the ingredients and they have more sugar than Mm Coca-Cola. So could we be susceptible to that sort
1: of uh, food engineering? Well, of course. Yeah, I mean, how many of us really read the labels and once we've read the labels, care about it? Uh, Why is it that uh, so many of us actually know better but still don't eat healthily, don't exercise enough, uh, don't manage stress very well, and so on? Uh, And uh, I'd like to throw that out to listeners sometime during this program.
0: We will be opening this up for calls in uh, 10 minutes or so.
1: Yeah, like uh, uh, I'm curious to hear what people's explanations are for this. It's very puzzling. But there is a, a field of research that's emerging now that's looking at this very question. And it's an important one to look at because... Uh, it turns out it's uh, systemically embedded. It's part of our culture. Uh, to to uh, shorthand it, uh, we have exactly the level of health that we want. <laughs> uh, that sounds very strange, but uh, it does. Uh, yeah, that that seems to be the case, and we can explain that further.
0: Please do, because uh, if well, is that because we're ignorant and don't realize
1: the state of our health? Uh, It's because of a number of firmly held American values uh, that dictate our social um, uh, and medical policies. Uh, And among those, uh, and we can get get into this in more detail, among those are uh, individual freedom, free enterprise, self-reliance, and distrust of government and science. Uh, Those all combine to give us policies that are unhealthy, so uh, there, there are a lot of examples. Uh, in, like we allow government policies that subsidize production of cheap, fattening foods. We allow those policies. Subsidies? Subsidies to, to the sugar industry. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, sure. And, and, and so on. Um, we favor business interests over public health. And we've seen that in some of the controversies surrounding the COVID, COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, we oppose legal controls on pollution of air, water, and food. You know, trying to control pollution, uh, you know, t- t- uh, toxins in, in our environment is an unending struggle in this country. Uh, we allow pharmaceutical, pharmace- excuse me, pharmace- I choke on that word. <laughs> pharmaceutical companies to charge outrageously high prices for their products. And we- you can get
0: the same drug, in fact, in Canada. People do that. They shop uh, in Canada. That's
1: right. Uh, we pay more for private health insurance than uh, cheaper government coverage, uh, as is done in other countries. Uh, we haven't developed any effective approach to uh, major causes of illness like homelessness or poverty. School districts still allow high cal- high calorie cafeteria menus and vending machines. Um, and so on, and, and so on. Uh, a big one is our constitutional right to bear arms. Uh, this last year, uh, the number of Americans killed by firearms finally uh, exceeded the number killed in automobile accidents, 40,000. And suicides are up. And suicides, especially by firearms. And some of them accidental. And, but this is, a, this is a, 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 a strong value in America. Uh, let's see Uh, gee, six years after the Affordable Care Act went into effect, 12 states haven't expanded Medicaid despite federal funding that would cover at least 90% of the cost because we don't trust government in other words, the way we think as Americans ends up with consequences that diminish our, our level of health
0: Okay, before I ask, what can we do about this? Why is it that we believe this? And what I'm saying is, why is it that people in other countries say, no, we want good health care, we want affordable health care? What's stopping us?
1: What's stopping us is our belief system.
0: Okay, okay, <laughs> as you said, as you said.
1: Yeah, we, I, we're Americans, and, and there's a certain American exceptionalism, too, uh, this nationalism that says, we have the best health care in the world, we have the best health in the world, and so on. And it just ain't true, but we just keep repeating it to ourselves. Um, even w- when they ask uh, Americans, how is your health? Uh the surveys show that people regard their own health as much better than it is compared to people in other countries. I'm in great shape. Country's in great shape. We have the best health care in the world. None of that is
0: true. Switching topic a little bit, obviously related, but uh you I started reading again in preparation for this your book, The Bedside Manifesto: Healing the Heart of Healthcare. And uh you mentioned how, what happens when doctors suddenly themselves become patients.
1: Yeah, you know, I've certainly had my experiences at the other end of the stethoscope. It looks different there. Uh, part of the problem, if it's a problem, is that uh, medical students are trained in disease as uh, physicochemical chemical uh, um, derangement. You know, like the, the gadget is broken, so fix it. And we know how to do that. Uh, we're pretty good at that. But we're not trained in the patient's experience. What's it like to be sick? And, and that's, that always goes along with sickness. It's like there's, there's a, a left profile and right profile that are uh, simultaneous. You know, one is the physical derangement and the other one is the um, subjective experience of the sick person, which you can call suffering. And that needs to be treated along with the physical one. But we don't do that.
0: You quote a doctor in there who said he never understood what his patients meant when they said pain, that they are experiencing pain, until he himself got seriously ill.
1: You know, there's this, this ancient uh, uh, archetype of the wounded healer. It goes back to, to Greece, ancient Greece. Uh, and uh, the ideal healer is someone who's been there you know, who's who's been sick before, because uh, that breeds uh, the empathy required to deal effectively with sick people.
0: There's another part of your book where you mentioned Norman Cousins, who I never read the book, but I know you have. He uh, describes, I believe it's anatomy of an illness, where he was in the hospital being treated for all sorts of different things. He was very, very sick. He had a specific disease. And uh, they gave him all sorts of drugs, and he knew it wasn't working, so he checked out of the hospital, went to a hotel, four-star hotel very close by, paid less than he was paying per day in the hospital, and
1: cured himself. He cured himself by laughing. That, that, that was the, his point. Uh, he, he restricted his treatment to just watching uh, uh, Marx Brothers films and old videos of Candid Camera, if you remember that. And just laughing, um, and he also took large amounts of intravenous vitamin C, to be fair. Um, and his doctors write in, in Cousin's book their testimonial that they were amazed and that this actually happened. But, you know, we already know that laughter is good for us. We know that. Laughter, uh, laughter is medicine, exercise is medicine, sleep is medicine. Plenty of things are medicine. And to just think of medicine as drugs and surgery is to limit ourselves. And it, uh, it's not very flattering to the human condition to reduce a person to, uh, to that, that, uh, that bare minimum. But it's
0: easy to uh, structure and to build.
1: It's easy to bill. Yeah, you know, you can you can bill for surgery, but for sitting and listening to someone for a half an hour, you can't bill for that yet. You still can't,
0: <laughs> huh? Let's uh, see. So, before we take a call, very briefly, and I'll ask you this again at the end. But what can we do? How can we help our society?
1: Well. I, I don't have any grand plan for doing that. Uh, You know, I think society changes one person at a time. And all we need to do is just recognize that when we're sick, there's more than physical derangement going on. And we need some support and attention and empathy. Uh, And we can demand that from our caregivers too. And if we can't get it from them, we can get it from somebody else. Uh, Making uh, medicine more humane than it's been is going to take a long time, but it's going to take uh, effort across the board, not to pass laws, but just to wake up people and say, look, uh, how how are you doing in this business? Uh, Ask that of practitioners and patients both. I've been in uh, medical offices that I would not want to work in because the docs just do one or two procedures again and again and again for 40 years. Uh, and it's a factory, and you know, they don't look like they're having fun. The morale looks pretty low. So if they light up, uh, good for them, and, but uh, they'll, their patients will be more satisfied too.
0: You mentioned that uh, doctors have extraordinarily high rates of all sorts of stress-related disease.
1: Their suicide rates are scandalous, Uh, doctors uh, hold themselves to a high degree of perfection and when they make a mistake or think they've made a mistake or uh, they plummet and if they uh, well keep in mind what what it's like to be a doctor especially during the pandemic working very long hours uh, sometimes being abused for your work you're you're tired. You're not uh, you're not well paid for this. You don't see your family as much as you'd like to, uh, and then there's kind of a, a suck it up attitude for stress. There's no way. There's no no doctor support groups, for example. They're very rare. Uh, no way to unload all the stress that you've absorbed.
0: Is that what you're supposedly being trained for? Doctors in training are famous for. Long, long hours and making mistakes and all sorts of things. It sounds horrendously stressful. Is that part of the training to get ready for the stress of the future? Well, I, I substitute
1: taught in a medical school for a while um, in a, a, a course called Doctoring that was like acclaimed to be uh, uh, an introduction to how to be more humane in, in practice. And what it really was, was you know, how to be more polite, how to address people properly and, and uh, say the right things, and maintain eye contact. Uh, but still, it was, it was a, a very st- no less competitive than it ever was. <laughs> very competitive, very tiring. And there was absolutely no instruction in just sitting down and listening to somebody. What my my best teacher in medical medical school said, uh, if you just listen to patients long enough, well enough, they'll tell you exactly what's going on. And that is the truth that I've discovered. It sounded simplistic at the time, and it took me like 30 years to recognize the validity of it.
0: I'm Al Stoller. I'm speaking with Dr. Jeff Kane. And we'll take some calls. The number here is 530-265-9555. Now, I have not worked the phone patch here in the studio for two years, so let's hope for the best. KVMR, you're on the air.
2: Hello, I was hoping to make a comment on the program that's going on right now.
0: Go for it, you're on the air. Go ahead. Oh my gosh.
2: Okay, well, I think that... um, You know
0: what, Turn, turn down your radio.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, are you there? We're here. Okay, my name is Lisa, and... And I think a lot of the problems with the medical, um, with the way that our society is with the health today has, um, and this sounds pretty awful, but I think it has a lot to do with um, self-gratification, um, greed. And I think that um, it's a problem where the doctors are not trained to, um, to heal on a healing basis. They're, they're trained to heal on a give you a pill to get well basis. I think that's a problem, and that, um, that contributes to the the way society is today and how many people know that they're not supposed to eat a bunch of sugar, know they're not supposed to smoke, but yet they do, that, do it, and then they want a pill to make it go away okay. or to, to solve their problem. Thank you, Lisa. Jess? You're welcome. Thank
1: you. Well, you know, I'm curious what kind of uh, solutions people propose. Uh, I think we generally agree uh, with what Lisa said. Uh, but what do we do about that? Um, we're up against some mighty massive uh, uh, ways of thinking that uh, reduce our, our health level. I want to give you one example. Uh, in Kentucky, uh, Kentucky has the second highest smoking uh, rate in the nation. and And because of that, it has the 35th lowest tobacco tax. <laughs> so... Why should Kentucky voters uh, limit smoking? They're, they're smokers. So uh, another example is a, a medicine that lets a patient live with diabetes is, is a simple solution. If you, you, know, if you can afford uh, uh, insulin, it's a simple solution. But changing food policy nationally so that fewer people develop diabetes, now that's a tough one. How would you pull that off? You're going to be um, opposed all along the line by, uh, well, the the, uh, processed food industry, for one thing. So how are you going to do this? KVMR, you are on the air.
3: Hey, guys. How's it going? Real good. Good. I wanted to just uh, piggyback a little bit on uh, sugar. And uh, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, sugar's not great. But one of the problems with it is that... um, as far as the reward center looping potential of sugar, it is more addictive than heroin, so that has to be um, addressed or all of this uh, basically uh, willpower issue um, orientation to that problem are are um, are not, not going to really cut it. And secondly, I'm gonna keep it brief. Uh, sugar one of the one of the main problems with sugar is when it is consumed, you know, it elicits out of the pancreas um, insulin, which is uh, a monstrously difficult um, hormone and it has uh, a devastating effect, you know, cardiovascularly. And another thing that it does is it burdens the pancreas, which is responsible for at least 5,000 documented enzymes that have to be produced, of which a lot of their specific Um, uh, 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 a lot of those enzymes go toward um, derailing in their nascent form uh, disease. So that's just basically what I wanted to get out there. Thank you guys guys for the program. You know, you're saying
1: sugar is bad. We agree sugar is bad. Uh, We don't have to go through the whole chemical chain to prove that. But what do you suggest? You know, we need to to, uh, really uh, brainstorm uh, how we can uh, regain our health in this country? Uh, if we know sugar is bad, what do we do about that? We ch- keep drinking cokes, or do we uh, call people who are drinking cokes bad names? <laughs> do we shame them? Uh, do we make uh, sugar illegal? It, it, we need to throw a lot of uh, of. Uh, uh, experiments out there and, and see what what works, and but beginning with ideas.
0: We'd have to do something about helping people kick the habit in the first place. It is, as the caller said, it is addictive.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, you, where do you start? <laughs> you start by by weaning yourself off this stuff. Hi, KVMR,
0: you are on the air. Hello, hello.
1: Hi, Hi. thanks, Alan.
4: Is that me?
0: That's you.
4: All right. Very good. Yeah. I just wanted to uh, chime in and just say, I believe that alcohol is probably the worst thing that I see in this country because along with that goes the smoking and other poor choices that people make. Um, you know, it's well known that if they ply people with alcohol, they spend more money shopping, they spend more money on stupid things. And unfortunately we live in a consumer driven society. Um, like I said, I just went to a funeral last weekend, uh, two brothers, uh, late 50s, early 60s, and both died primarily of alcohol disease, and it, that's locally here. And it's, it's just pushed by our local government. It's pushed by media. It's pushed by sports. It's pushed everywhere. Alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. Uh, and I know that's a huge tax base for all the stores that sell it, and that's why now – Even all the uh, gas stations sell alcohol, or it used to be they just sold beer and wine, if that. So it's concerning how many people are driving on it, how many people are. And the numbers, especially during COVID, has just gone way, way up. Binge drinking is just off the charts. Highway patrol claim that every day is like New Year's Eve now as far as the alcohol-related crashes and and accidents and things. So that's, that's my two cents worth is alcohol. Thank you.
1: Well, we can all talk about uh, all the nasties in our culture—sugar and alcohol and so on. Uh, but I'm pushing you further. Uh, like, wh- what do you want to do about that? What do you want to do? You know, lo- laws don't really work in the healthcare field. And we're not going to control people's behavior with laws. We need to change their attitudes about things. Uh, and how do we begin to do that? That's that's what I'm th- uh, well, that's what I'm asking all of you. Just do to... well. Come, come up with some ideas. Uh, you know, if I had a solution, I'd tell you. Uh, all I know <laughs> is that we we have uh, threaded through our culture a lot of firmly held beliefs that are limiting our progress in attaining better health. So, how how do you change a culture? Okay.
0: Hello, you're on the air.
2: I say, shame them. I would probably work well. How, how so? Put, uh, put a sandwich board on somebody. You know, if they go to the doctors and because they're overweight and then they're caught buying a big donut box, then you need to be shamed because you're ill. It's not good for you. Everybody knows it. You're not setting a good example for the children, for the society, and therefore you must be shamed. And it would might work to make people change their minds or at least think
1: about it. Thank you for calling. That's a good one to put on the table. Um, You know, I've been impressed by how many people who work in medical offices are, are obese. And they're very nice people. I don't want to shame them. But on the other hand, I know a number of doctors now who refuse to treat smokers. They just—they won't have them as patients. It's not only because they smoke, but because smoking says something about their own uh, maladaptive self-image. They're not good patients. <laughs> Moore, you are on the air.
5: Hi, um, I think a lot of it too is that we're just lied to by corporate interests um, from socialism. They equate socialism with communism. And I don't know if you remember Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution. He yeah. had a show yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. Wait a minute. Hang on, hang on. I,
0: I don't.
1: So who was that? Yeah. Explain Jamie Oliver, huh?
5: Oh, he was great. He was showing the ingredients on food, and that there's hair and ice cream. And I think when he went into the schools and started getting parents aware of the crap their the corporations are feeding their kids. The Corporations shut that show down like really fast, so if we could get the lies out of the media regarding food and not have money interests control what people are fed in their brain, you know that's the only way it's going to change because the money interests are just too powerful. I mean, we even subsidize the medical ind- the pharmaceuticals, and then they turn around and charge an arm and a leg for stuff, you know. So people have to realize it's not—socialism is not what they think it is. Like, Fox News is equating it with communism constantly. So it's Christian, and I'm a Christian, and I'm like disgusted by it when I hear it, but people are brainwashed.
1: Well, couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I remember uh, the only Jamie Oliver show I saw was when he was visiting a school, and he held up a tomato and asked the kids— what is this? And they couldn't identify it. The kids had oh, never no. seen a whole tomato. Oh no! Uh,
5: yeah, because the corporate corporations are feeding in this frozen crapola. You yeah. know, they and, have no idea what's in it, and people are raised on Taco Bell, and then they think they like it. You know, they don't, People don't. It's just we've been fed a big lie, and if we could get the lies out of the news, what we call news. It could change everything. I think you know yeah. we might have universal health care. Hey, oh, and how, doctors aren't even trained in nutrition. Doctor, you know Andrew Weil said he got like four hours of training in nutrition in all of his medical school. So you know it's it's the money interest, it's the corporate interest. So if we don't change that, take their power away.
1: What do you recommend? I don't
5: think it's the people's fault.
1: What do you recommend um, to take their power I think we need away.
5: laws to control corporations lies somehow you know don't let the news lie to us we could have that equal but what was the law we used to have where they had to tell both sides of the story on the news and now they don't have that anymore you know we've but too got, many people listen to Fox News all day long and it's just a bunch of BS you we've, know
0: we've got one more caller who I'm going to put on the air hello caller you've got about 45 seconds what would you like to say
3: Um, Is a subsidy for uh, junk food manufacturers, um, and it comes up every year, and uh, we need to
1: pay attention to it.
0: Thank you very much, and I wish we we will do this again. So thank you for your call.
1: You know, what I'm hearing from callers is uh, people are pretty knowledgeable. The people who have called in are pretty knowledgeable about what's wrong. And maybe uh, one strategy is to spread that knowledge, get more people interested in their own health, and then they can start raising a ruckus with Congress and so on. But uh, there's too many people now who are just uh, standing by and putting up with it.
0: Jeff, thank you very much for coming in. We are totally out of time. Oh,
1: well, that was great. Thanks, Alan.
0: I've been speaking with Dr. Jeff Kane. He is the author of The Bedside Manifesto, if you'd like to pick up that book. I'm Al Stoller. We have a star party coming up a week from this Saturday. Not this Saturday, but Saturday, May 28th on the old Danville Highway in State Route 49. It's 9 p.m. on May 28th. So, hope you can make it to that. And uh, stay tuned. We've got the news coming up. I'll be back in two weeks. Take care of yourselves.